Christina Robinson, welcome to Inspired By. 19, I'd got this baby and I was in this relationship that I thought was going to last forever. It didn't. I was then homeless with a three-year-old. And it's like tampons or fresh chicken that's on the reduce counter and having to make those kinds of decisions. How did you overcome that thought in your mind going, I need to contact someone, but they're going to think I'm this? I've decided that other people are unavailable for me. And then when it's come out afterwards, it's like, we well, should have asked. Do you want to buy my business? Yes. What happened was, we I got to a point in time where I realised, why shouldn't I have the reward? This business gave me a quality of life that I love. Welcome to Inspire By, the show that brings you inspiring stories from inspiring entrepreneurs with a twist. Now, I believe that every successful entrepreneur and celebrity on this planet has an inspiring story and they have stories that they haven't yet told, not because they don't want to tell the story, but because they haven't been asked the right questions. So my job on the show is to ask the real questions so that you get the real answers. Now, with that in mind, let's get started. Christina Robinson, welcome to Inspired By. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's so exciting to be here. I can't, I can't believe you're finally here. I'm like, I know we talk, I mean, for camera and, uh, and uh, anyone listening, we talk a lot. We have lots of catch-ups. So it's quite funny we're sat here, I'm going, right, what conversation do we want to have here? Well, I feel like we've, we've kind of already had about three conversations in about three and a half minutes, <laughs> just getting ready to turn everything on. Exactly, absolutely. So obviously, for those people that don't know you too well, Christina, you are a very bubbly and enthusiastic character, very charismatic, go in a room and you can just chat to anyone, as can I, hence our conversations. But were you always that bubbly character that we know and we can see today? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I think I'm, a, I'm fearless today, pretty much. So I offend people everywhere I go and take them along with me if they want to come. However, there was a time where I was so conscious of what if I stand out? Like I, I wanted people to notice me, but I didn't want to stand out. Mm. I wanted to, I, I'd, I'd got a need for significance, but being insignificant was, insignificant was much safer. So yeah, yeah I mean, for, for a long, long time, I'd be, I'd be the quiet one in the background, hoping to be noticed. And I don't really know when or how that changed it kind of changed over time and then there's mm. there's just been a few things in life whether it's something that's happened or something that's been said to me that's just made me totally embrace it and just go do you know what there's not actually that many people over the years that haven't liked me so I can't be that bad <laughs> I love it though because there's always that balance of like I want to be liked because that makes me feel good and let put business to one side actually it makes me feel good but also I don't want to be liked as something I'm not mm. How did you navigate that on this journey? Uh, oh, come on, Chloe. The, the, all the conversations we've had, you never asked me things this difficult before. <laughs> okay, so how do I navigate it? I think it's, I suddenly became really aware of what I wanted to be known for. Okay, so young, growing up, I was in quite a traditional family. Um, you know, traditional families have their idiosyncrasies and their little challenges, but it was very much a children should be seen and not heard. And, mm. you know, that that's the way that I saw it and definitely how I felt. And so it was, that was kind of my, like my learnt behaviour was to, to be quiet. Mm. And I think that just continued into adult life. And I suddenly find myself in the world of social media, running a marketing agency and, standing on stages and public speaking and, and all that kind of stuff. And you have to remember the first time I ever spoke in public, I had no intention. I did not want to do it. I was not interested, but the person that was um, my boss at the time had double booked herself. And she's like, well, you know, the content, it's only like 20, 25 people. It's only a few hours. Just go do it. You'd be fine. So I did. And then it just kind of started something. So to begin with, I'd, I always felt like, I was in costume, wearing a mask, because I was trying to be, I was trying to present like her. And so there was always this kind of 
what I understand now as a misalignment. And I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to make this work, if I'm going to make it land, I need to be more me. Well, who am I? What what does me look like, feel like, sound like? And that's developed over 10 years to, yeah, the person you met. Yeah. And I, I'm absolutely loving getting to know her every single day or each catch up. I'm just like, there's this new side of you that I've never seen. And I think that's one of the things I love about these conversations because you can feel like you know someone so well and then you suddenly ask one question and it just like, the stories come out and you're like, why have you never told me this before? Now, it, it's funny that you mentioned, because like, that is exactly that question. You'd never told me that story before. I did not know that that's how- did you not? No, I did not know. And I trained you, probably speaking. Like, yeah, we worked yeah, together yeah, with yeah. it. So, I mean, I mean, this is crazy. This is crazy. Because we met, what, three years ago? Mm. Two, three years ago. And like I said, I've been standing in front of people speaking in a professional capacity for the best part of 10 years. Well, no, it is 10 years now. And- I never had any training mm. until, yeah, a couple of years ago, yeah. any formal training. Yeah. Just went and saw other people speak and went, oh, shit, they're better than me. Why are they better than me? Mm. And <laughs> look at them. I'm so much better than they are. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting, this kind of public speaking world mm. when you really get into it and you you know when you understand how it works how it should work how you should use a stage and again I, I feel that when I started to study it more well that person's doing it this way that person tells their story that way now I've had training and this is the format and this is what you should be doing and so I would try and mold myself that way and it just never felt congruent you describe me as bubbly and you know I am a bubbly energetic speaker I do all the things you shouldn't do but that's what makes me unique as a speaker and mm. the, again the more I've embraced that the more success I've had yeah so true and you're right though because if you're then trying to be somebody else I always think the cracks get deeper and stronger and you feel more like you don't know who you are anymore you know and and I know for you obviously you notice that quite early on. And some people would be, let me be listening to this or watching this, that don't have someone they are trying to copy or be like consciously. Unconsciously, they might be thinking, I need to put this mask on because I need to be a certain way. I have to do it this way. I need to be like this. How did you overcome that need to have the mask on or be a certain way to then actually just be, here I am, this is who I am, take it or leave it, which is very much your energy now. Feedback. To be honest, mm -hmm. taking on the feedback. So the feedback as in someone says, you know, taking notes from someone, but also the feedback of what's actually happening in that room. Who is engaged? Who is laughing at the right times? Who's falling asleep on the back row? Mm. You know, it, it, it's that part of it. It's the, you know, when you're, when you're looking out at that audience, you see the people that look really into it and you see the people that look really disengaged. And if you focus on those disengaged people... It, it it just makes you crumble. Well, if you've got playing in your head at the same time, well, I must be on the left hand. Of the I went left. I said left and went right then. Did you notice that? <laughs> but, you know, all, all this sort of, st it, you, you, you're just going to be shit. You're mm. just going to be shit. So I kind of took that, took that as feedback for myself. But then also some of those people that looked really disengaged were the ones coming up to me afterwards saying, this point really landed. They were the ones tagging me in social media posts saying that, you know, I saw these speakers and this was the standout thing from that two day event. And so when you listen to the feedback that way and you go, actually, do you know what? When I delivered that bit, I was doing all the things I'm not supposed to do, but all the things I'm not supposed to do are all the things that were 100% me. And so listen to the feedback and kind of went with it. And when I got the feedback that was your passion didn't seem there, it was because I was following a framework. I was using body language that was someone else's body language, not mm. mine. Yeah. And so I, I mean, the quick answer to your question is I just went, fuck it. <laughs> I just went, no, I'm doing it my way. I, I, I love it. I enjoy it. I think I'm pretty good at it. So I'm just going to be me. One of the things I say all the time, um, I say it quite often when I'm talking around uh, social media, and you know, the biggest issue people have is that they don't show up and they don't back themselves. 
So literally, that's what I did. I made the decision. I was show up, back you all day long. And to be honest, it's like just the more I've committed to that, the more opportunities have come. Yeah, it's fascinating. Now, Christina, you mentioned there about the fact that you were, as a child, told be seen and not heard. I can really relate to that. Like I was always told that. And ironically, now I run a show where and I speak and I get paid to speak. Like it's just, it's the most ironic thing ever. Where did your, where did that shift happen where you were being told to be seen and not heard? And now you run a podcast that's literally called Christina Talks. <laughs> <laughs> so where, what happened in your life that made that shift that you go, do you know what, actually, I am going to talk. Okay, so just to clarify something, I don't think it was a, I was told, mm. be seen and not heard. I felt it. Mm. Didn't want to get, you know, didn't want to get caught out in anything um there are there are a lot of difficulties in the household when I was growing up and um there were you know there's some some instabilities let's say Mm. and I think quite often when you're in a family like that the kids can you become quiet, you become a bit more insular because mm. you don't want to get caught up in what's happening in the household. Um, you you go into school and you hear about everyone's normal lives and realise your life's not normal, but you don't know that it's not normal, you just know that it's different. But because it is your normal, it's not something you talk about. And then all of a sudden you're in your t- teens and you become aware that actually this shit ain't normal and then loyalties kick in so you stay quiet anyway because you don't want everyone like people can't know that and so it's like we're, we're almost keeping secrets when mm. you keep secrets you stay quiet and I just continued to to be that way and again for lots of different reasons you know I, I left home at 16 I just home life just it was tricky and it got to it. I was a really good teenager because, you know, I never did any of the naughty stuff. People think I did because I'm so mischievous oh my now. God, I totally wouldn't believe that. No, I was, I was a, I was a freaking good girl, me. And, um, I remember, I remember my, my, um, <laughs> I've never told you this, I don't think. So my first and only kiss in my teens, I think I was like maybe 20 minutes late home. Okay. Now I would have been on time but I got my, my, my first snog. And um, when I got into the house, my mother thought I'd been doing drugs. Oh, my God. <laughs> what extreme to the other? I know. No, I just kissed the so, boy. Yeah, I was like, I haven't, I haven't. So it, it's, you know, it's, it's like I, ha- I was really sheltered mm. and really quiet and really well behaved. And then I said, when I was 16, two days before Christmas, I... I you know, there was a row, you, you're going to be under my roof. I was like, fine, I'll go then. And I went and um, that was that. And I ended up doing jobs where I'm like, you know, working in Tesco's and waitressing and got a um, a job as a trainee chef. And I was doing all three of those things at the same time to keep a roof over my head because my work ethic was quite hard, quite high. Um, but these types of jobs, I just, it, it fitted this belief that I wasn't good for anything more than being in the kitchen, waitressing, working on a checkout. So it's, and again, it's that, it's the beliefs you have in yourself because of the things you learn at such a, such a young age. And that belief carried through for a long, long time. And I, I'd find myself in situations where I'd be doing really well. Um, I, you know, I was doing really with the trainee chef stuff. I was doing really well. I won awards with the company I was working in and all this sort of stuff. Then I got pregnant. And so I had my, um, my, my first daughter, my eldest, Emma, at 19. And went back to waitressing. So I kind of just like left that career, that opportunity behind. So I kind of reached this ceiling where actually I could have, could have, would have, should have. I went, nah, went back to this, this is the best I can, you know, I, I can be a, a, a mother and a waitress. 
because you know average that you know just below average is about as good as I can be and um within a short period of time working there I was like deputy manager of this little quaint village um coaching hotel kind of thing and had a breakdown at 22 23 so you know, leaving home at 16. Now, I just wanted to quickly interrupt this episode to share a quick message with you. Now, I've been hosting these interviews with Inspired by Show for a while now, and I've been loving all of the great feedback from our listeners. And it really means a lot when you all share from listening to these episodes, watching these episodes, share your incredible feedback. And I love that you love it as much as we do. Now, my mission for the Inspired by Show is to inspire others to challenge the norm, share their story, knowing that it's okay to be vulnerable and shock horror, take the mask off and be raw and real. So I have a favor to ask. Can you help me on this mission by sharing this episode with someone who you think needs to hear this message? Maybe there's a friend, a loved one, a colleague, or someone that you know that would really benefit from hearing this inspiring story. If you could do that to help us help even more people to challenge the norm and push themselves out of their own comfort zone, then I'd really appreciate it. So if you haven't already, share this episode with a friend, a loved one, a colleague, or someone that you know would benefit. Now, back to the episode. Working three jobs, keeping a roof over your head. Of course, I dropped out of education, which also fed this belief of less than average is the best. That, you know, you're a school drop up, drop out now too. Um, so after the breakdown, I decided, okay, well, normal people go to university, so I'm going to go and do a course and do that. Um, did like an access course, but dropped out of that because I'd not really recovered from the breakdown. Skip to a you know, skip to the, 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 the next bit. And um, I'm now, you know, so that's it. I'm never going back to anything to do with waitressing again, hotels. No, 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 no. And um, of course, then get a job through a recruitment agency, waitressing in a hotel. Way! <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I went, I went in, I did this like breakfast shift. I was there for about an hour and a half. And I looked around the place, I'm like, there's absolutely zero point me being here. You're paying agency rates to have me here. Like, this is, what I'm, you know, do you want me to just go home? They're like, yes, thank you for being so understanding. And I got called in the next day and four job descriptions put in front of me. And it was like, which job would you like? And I became the, um, the conference operations manager for that four-star hotel, like literally overnight. Um, yeah, and again, was on quite a successful track there when, you know, 2009, all that kind of stuff happens. I made redundant. So I've finally broken this kind of ceiling of actually maybe I could be more than, you know, below average. And then rather than me blowing it up, the carpet got pulled out from underneath me. So I was like, okay, I was wrong then. So let's go back to there. Just like fed that belief again yeah, and again yeah, yeah, yeah. and again. Interesting. Absolutely. And I feel like I'm being one of those people that tells their stories and it's like, oh my God, is she done yet? <laughs> well, I'm not. Um, There's more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, so redundancy, like all that kind of thing. There's a whole other mess that happens after that that's that's not relevant to this. Um, I decide again, I would like, you know, how how many, what have I got wrong in the past what can I do again to expect a different result? I know, I'll go back to university. So I started a degree in event management because I thought that'd be easy because I know what I'm doing. Um, and second year in, I injured my spine, which you know about my spinal injury, um, and ended up dropping out of uni. So I'm there now thinking like, what am I going to do? And I hated uni as a mature student, absolutely hated it. The only thing I enjoyed was this kind of like six weeks we spent talking about social media as a marketing tool. So I know, what if I went and did some social media for some businesses and help them get clients? So I started researching, what would it take for me to sort of set up and do that on my own and all this kind, all this kind of thing? And like literally within a few days, I stumbled across a social media marketing agency that was located no more than five minutes from my front door. So I'm like, followed their Facebook page and, you know, followed them on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. Um, Instagram wasn't a thing then. And 
within a couple of days, they advertised for a freelance social media manager role. I applied following week I started there. Wow. And I'm going to pause there because I, I know where you that know, bit goes. You That's know what happens Yeah, next. I do. And I just want to jump back to something you shared earlier because I find it fascinating, Christina, because obviously I've heard your story in many different facets the whole time we've worked together and support each other through a hell of a lot, trust me, uh, both sides. And I always find it fascinating because for me, there's always an undertone in that story, which is, or a theme of the story, which is just keep moving forward. You know, it's like never just take no, because even though, yes, you were saying it on one side, the belief kept being reaffirmed and, and you know, you were reminded that I'm not good enough for that or I'll never, I'll never be more than that. But you didn't take no for an answer because you kept looking and searching. W- what happened there for you to want to look for more? I think there was probably just something in my subconscious that knew. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a really crap answer because, like, what can anyone do with that? My biggest fear, my biggest biggest fear is paralysis and at about six years old I had my ears pinned back so at that point it was quite I think it's like every day now okay but at that point I think it was quite a big surgery and I I remember waking up in this hospital bed because I had I had really flappy ears I'll show you a photo later (laughs) um real real big ears and um, I remember waking up this big bandage on my head and obviously I've just come around from general anesthetic and remember this feeling not being able to lift my head and it's like I couldn't quite open my eyes because I'm coming around and I will never forget that feeling that feeling of not being able like not being able to move so whether it is something around that experience Mm. that was just even when you feel like you can't move just keep trying it will come whether that was implanted in me in my subconscious at the age of six, whether there's something before that that I don't even remember. Um, like I said, when I um, when I had my spinal injury, there were times where I'd get myself to the side of the bed in the morning, and my brain would tell my body to stand up, and there would be no motion, or mm. you know, stuck on the toilet seat. That's always a good one. Anyone that's had back issues will understand what I'm talking about there. Um, you know, it's so this this kind of paralysis thing. If I'm stuck somewhere, feeling like I'm going nowhere, that is the worst place for me to be. Mm. And I and I feel that it's just it plays out everywhere everywhere people are like oh christina you take on so much you do you do you think you've taken on too much be careful you'll burn out i'm like mate i did that before i know what that looks like yeah. and um and i i don't know where i'm going necessarily but i know what's coming next and i know what needs to happen to get there and if i don't take action i'm putting myself in a state of paralysis mm. wow and do you know what the ironic part of that whole thing was that when you were sharing you obviously didn't want to be it was six years old that feeling you had and then you were avoiding paralysis by kept moving and then you had a spinal injury which literally physically manifested itself Mm. yeah it's crazy it's crazy I find it I find it really interesting Christina when you tell those stories because you've obviously been through lots and I find there is an element of I always believe that we learn from our own situations but we learn in a good way or not so good way in other words I want to be exactly like my parents. I want to be nothing like my parents, right? Or I want to be exactly like my boss was when I worked for them or I want to be absolutely nothing like my boss was. How did you find it? Uh, Remind me again, 19, when when you had Emma? Was it 19? Yeah, 19. So how how did you find that moment, bearing in mind you've expressed your own situations in your childhood, suddenly being 19 with a baby, was there any part of you that was a bit nervous of going, I don't want to be like that or "I I do want to do this? Any of those sort of feelings coming up? I was, I, okay, so, oh, how do I want to answer this? There's lots of different ways for me to answer this. So I, my parents are, they are not people that show love in a way that manifests. Um, their, their love is shown in hardship, let's say. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's a yeah. They they they're not they're not people you're gonna sit on the sofa with and have a cuddle and 
You know, they're, they're, they're not like hugs and kisses on a regular basis. My, Emma's grandparents on, on her father's side were 100% the loving hugs and kisses. Um, Emma's grandfather passed away December last year and um, sometimes we have those people that come into our lives that are you know, we all think, we all think, even the people that love their parents the most, there's always this like one thing that they wish they were more of, or they wish they had. Um, and Tony, Emma's grandfather, was just such a lovely, lovely man and funny and cheeky and um, inappropriate a lot as well, you know, in, in a fun, fun way and in, in a really nice way. And, um, Okay, so I'm thinking like every Christmas morning, it's like we'd be there and he and he he's like waiting for it and he'd be like puckered up, like just stood there, puckered up, waiting for the kiss on the lips. And and it's so what I'm trying to say, so thank you, by the way. That's such a lovely memory to have in this moment. Um I'm surprised I'm not crying. Um but yeah, he was a beautiful, beautiful man. Um my point is that when I had Emma at 19 years of age, when I fell pregnant, I was working with someone who I was really good friends with who was trying really hard for a baby and had miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. And the guilt I felt that I was unexpectedly pregnant when there was someone I knew that wanted this so much. I, I, um, I really, I, I felt the weight of that and going through the pregnancy, she was really supportive. And I think I, I learned a lot from her and with my parents, I had this kind of hard truths input and with Tony and Denise, Emma's other grandparents, I had this real love input as well. So I'm 19, I've got this baby, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, I don't know, oh I swear a lot by the way guys, um, <laughs> I feel a little bit lost in the world and my priorities were all wrong, mm. all wrong. Um, I didn't have to think because I had people that, they were there ready. Mm. Wow. I love that balance though. It's like yin and yang, right? It's like, you can't, I, I'm not saying you can't have all of one and not the other, but it's almost like a beautiful recipe when you have a bit of both, because it's not like you, you were going to do a bad job with Emma if you only went the hardship route in the same way you would never have done a bad job if you went down the love route, but almost like having a bit of both made a really nice balance. And like I said, I think maybe there was a little bit of this idea that less than average, Maybe that almost served me in that moment because for me to say I don't know what I'm doing was the right thing to do. And to allow people to show me the way because well, Christina doesn't know what she's doing. It kind of allowed it allowed me to be coachable. So yeah, it's um We've never talked about this stuff. I know, this is why I love the show. It's so, I just love the fact that I can have these conversations with you because I just think this stuff needs to be heard because I think there are so many mums out there that have had fantastic childhoods and want to create exactly the same thing and don't for their own kids. Mm. There are also parents that have had the most horrific childhoods and want to avoid that. So I think it's really nice to hear. I mean, I'm not a mum yet, but there is part of me where I'm like, I wonder if I'm going to be like my mum or my dad and what if I'm like that? Will I do this? Because I think to come back to my point, we're both in the in very in the, much in the personal development space. So we've done a hell of a lot of work. Like we've we've shared our therapy stories. Let's be yeah, real, yeah, right? Yeah. Over many non-alcoholic glass of wine. Um, but we have really revealed it all. And I think sometimes I'm fearful that when you've done the work, you know the shit that you have been through and you know the shit that was put on you. And I don't, I'm not saying like, I love my parents. Neither of them, neither of them intentionally screw me up. But every parent screws their kids up. That's part of life, right? It's part of our own growth. 
was there ever part of you that you're a bit worried about like there's this baby that's relying on me and I don't want to screw it up no but because I was probably quite emotionally disconnected if I'm Mm. really honest because of not not have not living in a not growing up in a highly emotional family I didn't know how to activate that part of my body and like I said, although I got this example, I could see in, in my in-laws, um, you know, I got pregnant very quick into that relationship. So I'd only seen it for a small window of time. And so, yeah, I, I, I didn't look at, you know, they tell the story, you look, at, you look at your baby and like you have this flood of emotion and it's all amazing. And I kind of looked at this baby and was like, I think the epidural's just kicked in. It feels a bit weird down there. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's a... Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really, weird, really weird thing. I, you know, I'd, I wouldn't have said I had any, um, like, postnatal depression or, or anything like that. But I don't, I don't, think that I necessarily I don't believe I connected in the same way I did with my second child and I also think a big part of that is you know there's almost six years between them being that little bit older let's face it 19 is not you know people have kids younger but it's still you know it's young to be having babies and at that age you know, even six years later, and I was not in the world of personal development and that kind of stuff then, I just understood that the things worth having take work. Mm. You know, things like feeding, like breastfeeding. You know, with, with Emma, you know, I, I, I did it with both of them, but with Emma, I gave it way too easy. Mm. You know, it, it's a... The whole experience of Emma as a baby, I looked externally more than trusting my intuition Mm. with Isabella I was way more into like no whatever I say goes I love that so you mentioned that's partly the age difference and and within yourself I mean not within them what was there anything else that shifted in your life at those points that you would say was a defining factor I don't uh I don't think there's any one thing. There's there's not anything specific that sort of springs to mind. Like I said, you know, at 19, I'd got this baby and I was in this relationship that I thought was going to last forever. It didn't. I've had a breakdown. I've, um, okay, so when I had the breakdown, Emma was about three. And where I was living in this quaint chocolate box village in Oxfordshire, I was living in the hotel. I'd, I'd got sort of the, the the manager's flat was where I lived. So when um, I called my boss something I won't say now for you, um, and like that all blew up, I was then homeless with a three-year-old. And people that know me like I just take everything in my stride like there's there honestly there is so much personal stuff that I know you know that it's like there's this this it's you I would be that boring person if I shared it all it's like oh my god she's got a story for everything but all these things happened and I so I just had to keep moving in through to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing I remember standing in the co-op and it's like I've got like 73p in my hand or something you know change and it's like tampons or fresh chicken that's on the reduce counter and having to make those kinds of decisions. And so it was to be in that kind of, um, now when I say I was homeless, you know, I, we're very fortunate here. Okay. As a, as a lone mother with a toddler, you know, Oxfordshire's rural location, that kind of thing. It's, I'm sure if I found myself in the same situation in inner city, London, I'd have been on the streets, you know, it was, I was, you know, in um, sort of emergency accommodation, you know, we were in this horrible little bed set, but I was in a bed set, 
you know, I, I was there for a few months. We got moved. So it's a, yeah, please don't think that it was, you know, that people, some people had it much worse than me. And I think this is the thing. There's so many things that I experienced over those six years where I just went, life shit. But I also know there's other people that have got it much worse than me. That's one thing I love about you, Christina, is that you're always so human. And I don't know how to describe that, but no matter what incredible achievement you have in your life, because I've seen you on like some pretty big stages and pretty heavy hitters, and I've heard your incredible results, but you're still just so human. Like you're just like, yeah, but they've done better or they've got it worse. You know, you're just very humble in, in your accolades. Now, I know for a fact when you started your entrepreneurial journey, you wouldn't have called it consciously starting an entrepreneurial journey. Like your route into entrepreneurship was probably quite unique in the same way. I think a lot of your stories, your life experience has been quite unique. So flash us back now to that moment where you joined this marketing company as an employee, let's be clear. And what happened next? Okay. So, um, so I started as a freelancer just doing a couple of hours a day at home. So it was that. And within about four weeks, it was like, oh, could you do, um, part, actually we'd like to employ you just like 12 hours a week, part time, six months in, I'm full time and essentially second in command in the business. And you know, this is my first job in the marketing world. What's going on? And um, I probably, I, I, I'm always trying to figure out the timeline because, you know, sometimes you have conversations, you don't realize at the time how, in, how much they're going to be part of your story. So, um, you know, you, you sensible people have a break from the desk. So myself and the business owner are having a walk around the building and she says to me, we talk about exit strategies because she'd had a business previously that she'd sold. And we were talking about her experience of selling that business. And she started to talk about, what would happen if she ever wanted to exit Green Umbrella and that she would want to do a management buyout and was that something I'd be interested in? And I'm walking along and I went, yeah. And in my head, I went, what the fuck is wrong with you? I thought you're a normal person. You're supposed to be inspirational and clever and smart and you think I can do this? Like, what is going on? I'm like, yeah. It was one of those say yes and work out what the hell I've just done later. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, the thing is, it was a casual conversation. It was one of those conversations mm. where you think it's never going to go anywhere anyway. It's ridiculous. Like, what, like whatever. And probably over the next couple of years, yeah, year, couple of years, that one question developed into actually quite a serious conversation. And then it became a bit of a plan. And the plan was for it to happen in 2020. And in about October 2018, I said, if we're going to do this, we need to do it now. And just to be clear, management buyout is where an employee buys out the owner. Yeah. yeah. And so this is what you'd committed to doing. Yeah. So literally in the October 2018, I said, like, seriously, if we're going to do this, let's do it. And between then, basically October 2018, 1st of April 2019, I bought the business and the, the the previous owner like literally signed the paper, went to the office, picked up her stuff and left the business. Wow. There was no, there was, we'd already done the crossover. There was mm. no earn out. There was no, it's like literally, see you later. And That's it's incredible. weird because we'd worked so, we'd worked so closely together. We'd, uh, we had a really good working relationship and after the sale, after the MBO, I think we had coffee maybe once, and then I've never and not even seen her since. Question for you, Christina. So that thought process in your head when she first mentioned it, where you're like, "I'll say yes," but inside I'm like panicking. What the hell have I done? Why you're mad? You think I'm worthy of this? What what shifted to you then actually going? This needs to happen now. Like, what was going through your head in those moments? Okay, so to be clear. You know, when someone, so you talk about babies a minute ago, right? When someone's, when you see someone's baby, you go, oh, how beautiful. You don't go, what an ugly fucker. <laughs> so there was no thought behind that response. Do you want to buy my business? Yes. Do you want to buy, my, would you want to buy my business? No way. You can keep that. 
it, there, there wasn't any, it was a, it's an automatic response. Mm-hmm. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Thanks. You don't think about it. You just respond. It's the, it's, there is only one response, right? So like I said, it, it was a, there was nothing in my head. My whole thought process was you're mad. I could never do that. What happened was we, I got to a point in time where I realized, well, I am doing it. So why shouldn't I have the rewards? And this, this business gave me a quality of life that I loved. It allowed me to do things that I loved. And this is probably the wrong thing to like, God forbid any of my clients actually hear me say this, but I bought my lifestyle. Mm. I got a business too. Mm. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a, a mm. slightly different thing. Yeah. But it I I totally agree because it can't be a business without meeting your lifestyle, right? Because then it's just a a very stressful job that's stretching you too much and then ending up in another batch of burnout which we've all felt. So mm-hmm. I actually think it's really inspirational that you went actually this gives me the lifestyle that I want and the passion that you want. And even when you talk about it, you know, even now, years and years after that you've been part of Green Umbrella, let alone before you've owned it, you're still just as passionate every time you talk about it. I, I mean, I love it. I, I just love it. It's It's been such a part of my story. I was probably, it's really interesting actually, some of the questions that you've asked me because maybe this will help answer those better. I'd become so much part of this business that because all of a sudden I was so much more than average. I knew stuff that other people didn't understand. Not just clients and prospects, but friends and family. All of a sudden I could serve these people and make the biggest differences to them. I could take that business from the point of failure to seven figures so all of it was like this, 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 you know, less than average. It was like, no, that's not a thing anymore. I can believe it if I want to, but the evidence is here. And so my identity then became so wrapped up in the business. It's like all my plans were, my, were it wasn't Christina's plans. It was Green Umbrella plans. And it's interesting because it's probably only the last two years, if I'm honest, where I've kind of gone actually that's not a badge of honor so okay i know what green umbrella is i know what it is i know as a as a as a beast i know what it looks like and feels like and smells like and tastes like but what were all the answers to that in terms of christina and i and i feel that yeah a, a lot of the questions you've asked have actually just come into fruition in the last the last 2 years yes probably the last 6 months to be honest and I've kind of really found a place now where I am. So I feel like I inspire now. And it's a, it's like a frigging big-headed thing to say. You know, it's like I was an employee. I had the opportunity. I bought business. I've done all right since. To me, is not an inspiring story. Had a shitty upbringing. Got out of it had a few hurdles along the way, did this, did that, brilliant, great. There's a, like for every story I can tell, there's another hundred million out there. But what I'm doing now, I feel that when you look at someone and you think, wow, I want to, like, that's inspiring, I, I want a bit of that, you can't really put a label on it. You don't know what it is. You don't know... What like what's that thing that they're just emanating that that you want to bottle and 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 have for yourself? And I just feel like I've got it in spades now, and I can't even tell you what it is. That was going to be my next question. I was just about to say what what do you think you are emanating now that makes the difference between inspiring others and previously your accolades not being as inspirational? I feel very connected to myself. Um, I feel I've got some freaking awesome humans around me. I've got my people, you know, it's, we talk about finding your tribe and it's a, I've really got that. I've got, I've got people that 
love me unconditionally. That, and I'm not, I'm not talking about romantic partners or anything like that. I'm just talking about people mm. and, you know, the family you choose. But it, it's they hold up a mirror and they show me who I am. Mm. So it's not dependent on them. And, and so it's, it is really, really special when, you've, when you live in a world where you, where you go, okay, I recognise that in this moment, I'm not in a good place. Okay, well, I can dial into this thought, this feeling, this choice of way of, of way of being. And if I can't do that myself, if I can't coach myself through that moment, then, okay, I'm going to ring this person. I'm going to, you know, I, I had something last week and it's, um, which we won't talk about now, um, but it was gruelling. And... Um, that morning, I, I, you know, I, I messaged this individual and I said, I, I, I need you today. And that was it. And they were there for me. Wow. And it's a, when you have the power to be that for someone else, but be vulnerable enough to say, I'm not, I'm not a powerhouse today and I don't want to be. Yeah, and I don't have to be. I think that's the key, isn't it? Because, Christina, you are a powerhouse. You are such an in, uh, in, inspirational person, not just from a place of vulnerability, but from a place of strength. Every time I speak to you, the way you hold yourself, the way you stand on stage, it's like people look at you and think, fuck, she is terrifyingly, <laughs> terrifyingly enthusiastic, but also quite, can be quite intimidating, right? But I think yeah. the beautiful thing about what you've just shared there is that I, I think, yes, it's people being around you that are available for you, but I'd also say it's the ability to, to say, I'm, it's not my day today and I need help. Mm. How did you overcome that thought in your mind going, I need to contact someone, but they're going to think I'm this or I'm not this powerhouse. How did you overcome that so that you could actually reach out and say, I need help? Not sure I have. That was just a really, really, really shit day. Mm. If I'm really honest. I um you know, the thought I had is there's um yeah let's be honest um I mentioned Tony earlier um the day he passed away I really needed some help that day and um I really needed the help of one person in particular and um I could I couldn't ask the question I could have I felt like I couldn't and in this situation I was like if I don't ask the question I'm not serving myself and I'm not giving them the opportunity to serve me either mm. and it's a really hard lesson it's a lesson we all need to learn, and there are times where it's much easier than others. Um, you know, you know, when this is being edited, you'll see an edit, you'll, you'll see like version two, and there'll be something in it, and you'll be going, Oh, you know, this, I want this picture. She won't, I'm sure it'd be perfect. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, like something like that, it's really easy to go, Oh, I need your help, I need this to happen. When it's something emotional, when it's something where you are in a place of vulnerability when you're feeling weak where you don't know what the world is anymore it's, it's it's hard and it's tough and it's i don't i don't feel that i think oh they'll think i'm weak or they'll think i'm this or i think i'm that i think it's more about self-worth mm. they're really busy i don't want to take up their time i know they've got this this and this happening i don't want to disturb that it's this it's more I, I decide that people, in the past, I've decided that other people are unavailable for me. And then when it's come out afterwards, it's like, we well, should have asked. Should have asked for help. Well, what help did I need? I don't know. Mm. Well, that's exactly why you should ask sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah, I haven't learned that lesson yet. I am. There are days I'm more conscious of it and I act on it. To be honest, I don't think it's a lesson any of us really ever learn. 
there is a there's you know part of my story I haven't shared is crosses over with with some of yours there are there have been times in my life where I've not wanted to be here anymore and there are times in my life where I've I've gone to act on that and by the grace of God or whatever you believe in I'm still here <laughs> and so I feel like every day every moment every minute every second I'm here has to be for something has to it has to and so if I'm going to be here let's be energetic let's have fun let's let's have a bit of naughtiness let's let's give what we want the world to have more of and so I think it is and it's not that we're going to be perfect all the freaking time because we're not you know you, you can't be a 20 out of 10 24 7 so it's just about maintaining an average yeah let's say I love that it's such a beautiful share though Christina because I think so many of us are always trying to put on a brave face you know I talk a lot on this show about the mask that we all put mm. on and that we can't show face we can't show that we're struggling and I think it's amazing that you've shared about the people that you're around and finding your tribe and I'm really excited because I know who we're talking about yeah, and I think yeah. I think you know we are yeah, yeah, everyone around is is just so inspiring so my question for you Christina is who would you say on your journey it could be someone you know it could be a celebrity it could be a mentor who's inspired you the most on your journey I was asked a few weeks ago, actually a couple of months ago, um, and the question was around legacy, like what legacy do you want to leave? And I kind of, in that moment, I thought about it. And there are a few people that have touched my life. And they're not massive, they're not inspiring, but the difference that they made what they showed me the lessons I learned from them is I'm so grateful for and they're not on this planet anymore and so I feel that if if I am in, an inspiration it's mm. because I carry a part of them mm. so it's Tony I've mentioned because the the, the fun and the love that he showed that's that's an important thing to have as an individual. Um, Diana Pogson is a, a music teacher, and she, I mean, in my teenage years, thing like I say, things were not good at home, and um, you know, I'd I'd be at her house overnight, which sounds weird that your music teacher would have you do that, but you know, it, it was all a bit different back then. Um, make myself sound really old I'm not I'm really not um, but but it, it's a the the understanding that she showed the mm. compassion that she showed the offer the opportunities that she created that I wouldn't have had the li the little things she did that gave me that bit of confidence to actually go no you are worthy you are like you are something um, just the little conversations we had that, you know, and, and so there are people that sometimes the people that give us the most inspiration are the people that maybe they weren't particularly, you know, massive inspiring people themselves as individuals. Mm. You know, I, I've, I've got a legacy of four people to leave because I wouldn't be able to leave my own without them. There's also, um, you know, when we think about who's inspiring in that, the, the more traditional way, I have a mentor who he's an interesting character. You should you should have him on here, definitely. Um, he's he's a bit marmite. He's a bit marmite. Um, Spencer Lodge is. Mm -hmm. He's just a wonderful human being. When I first met Spencer, I was at an event and I'd never heard of him even. He spoke and I was like, I really like this guy. 
and um, he's off stage and I'm sat at my table carrying on with my emails because, you know, I never stop. And um, he's like literally like three inches in front of my table and he's got his 18-year-old daughter with him. And he's dancing to, you know, what these events are like. You know, blah, the music is pumping, the lights are going. And he's there dad dancing. And his 18-year-old daughter, Taylor, is like telling him off for the dad dancing. It was such a beautiful, beautiful moment to witness. And um, on the way, I think it was on the way back from that event, I dropped him a message on LinkedIn, connected, dropped, dropped him a message on LinkedIn. And because um, I'd had some challenges going into that event, I almost didn't go. And just witnessing that just gave me there were a lot of things I needed to feel and see and understand about parents and kids and that kind of thing and what normal looks like, you know, what, what this, my idea of the perfect normal would look like. And I got to witness that in a moment and I dropped him a message and just said, thank you for, because I got to see that mm. and that that was a gift and conversation started from there. Um, I ended up working with him, with him being a, a mentor one-to-one and I don't think there's another man on this planet that's made me cry so much in my life <laughs> who calls me out, who um, just sees through the bullshit and in a way that not many people do, who takes no prisoners, who, I mean, this guy, his, his, to say he's successful in business is an understatement. It's, it's, it's I don't even know what the valuation is of his company now is, but last time I, I won't throw figures around, but it, yeah, it was, it was, you know, sizable. And he's been a bit of a naughty boy and he is, and he owns it, but he's good people. Uh, I remember, you know, I was working with him as a sales mentor, sales coach, and we would jump on calls and my life was falling apart and I was in a mess and he, at the end of the session, he's like, right, you need to rebook this session. He's like, this, this was just friends. You know, you can talk wow. to me anytime. And, you know, I, st I still refer to him as my mentor now. It's probably two years since I've had any formal mentoring from him. But I literally dropped him a message two weeks ago. He, you know, there's, it, it's, he is always going to be there for me if and when I need him. Wow. And, and it is a... I see the things that he's doing. He's recently um, filmed a, a documentary to do with the, essentially, um, human traffic, human trafficking, the sex trade. Um, he's put himself in some really unsafe situations to go and interview people across the globe in places mm -hmm. where this stuff's going on. Because he's earned his money, he lives a fantastic quality of life, and he has the privilege of having the resources available to be able to expose some of this stuff. So that's what he does. Wow. You know, and, and it's, it's just, uh, and at the same time, he's a, he's a cheeky chappy, <laughs> and he's 100% <laughs> him, and you won't find him being any other way. And I, I just, I, I love it. I mm. absolutely love it. And let's face it there's a lot of people out there that are the the inspirations the mentors that kind of thing where um i'm in a commercial relationship with you fantastic you're the like you are the icing on the cake oh your money's run out see you later yeah and so this is yeah it's genuine i think that's the shadow side of mentorship though isn't it it's like we invest in mentors to guide us and there is a bond that is formed, mm. but it is based on a commercial relationship. And so I think a lot of people forget that when it comes to mentorship or they go all in and then suddenly, like you say, bills due again, can't afford it. And it's like, you're, you know, yeah, see you cut, later. cut my ties. And I think that, yeah, okay, the money stops coming in. So maybe the value exchange stops, but it doesn't mean the relationship stops, you know, it, it's, and I think that's sometimes the difficulty we have in the industry that we're both in, which is mentorship. Yeah. I, th I think this is a, I mean, it's, it's a whole other conversation, isn't it? I, the more me I am, the, the more authentic I am. Um, when you asked me earlier, I said, you know, some things happened, some things were said to me that made me to step into who I am. Spencer said to me, if you've got 100 people in front of you, 20 will like you, 20 will hate you, the rest just don't give a shit. And I was like... I'm just going to focus on the 20 that will like me. 
So if I can build genuine relationships with them, they're going to want to work with me. If they don't want to work with me, when they're having conversations, they're going to refer me. So I win anyway. And so do they. And the 20 people that don't like me, it's never going to happen. And the 80 people that are not paying attention, don't care, whatever, I'll just wait till it's the right time for them. They'll either come on board or they won't. And I guarantee by you focusing on the people that you knew would like you or you assumed would like you, focusing on delivering to them will also increase their experience. And also you probably have way more fun with it. And I love the fact that what you said with Spencer, it sounds like he's a cheeky chappy. I know one of your core values is mischief. So it, you can definitely yeah. see the, that alignment there. And do you know, Christine, I could talk to you about this all day. Like, I honestly, we need to get another one of these put in because there's so much more I want to talk about. Now, you've touched on Spencer's story, which is fantastic. And actually... Ellie, who was our very first guest, also suggested Spencer Lodge oh, for the really? show. So we have two, oh, two calls out for him. So to. we just need to make that happen. But um, I'm curious, you've obviously had such an inspiring story and I'm so grateful for you sharing it here and also trusting us to share so vulnerably here with stuff that you've said that you haven't said before. Going back down to that girl in your childhood that you said was someone that you felt like you were never going to be more than a certain thing. Knowing what you know now, what would you say to her? I love you, I thank you, I forgive you. Oh, that's so beautiful. Really, really, really beautiful. And do you know what? Those three three phrases I think we could all say to ourselves then, now, and forever to say that, Mm -hmm. right? Because the more that we do thank ourselves and care for ourselves and love ourselves, that's been the biggest shift I've had, I'd say, in the last year or so, is just being really grateful for who I am and actually being able to forgive myself for shit because we all do it i mean there's this there are there are decisions that i've made that i stand by that i have to let go of they they were they were the right things to do but maybe things i didn't like i don't like that i did but they were the right things to do there are things where i fucked up royally and i know it but again I ha- you, we have to have a level of self-love, self-worth, but self-forgiveness. Mm. Yeah. I'd actually argue forgiveness is probably one of the hardest of it all as well, mm. because I've, I'm actually really quick at forgiving other people. Like a lot of my friends and business partners are like, what the hell are you doing? You've forgiven that person already. So now I'm like, you're dead to me, mate. Yeah. And honestly, <laughs> the amount of times I've chat to you and you're like, you've forgiven him or you've forgiven her or what are they doing? But I forgive myself very rarely, very, very rarely. And it's something that I'm personally working on. I'm like, why am I forgiving them? But I'm not forgiving myself. So I think forgiveness is huge. I've had something this morning, just something that's cropped up in business where I've um, just, my eye's gone off the ball on something and it's really small and it's not that important and it's easy to fix. But because we are who we are, it's like, for God's sake, the world is, the sky is falling. <laughs> And it's like, actually, if I could show, just show myself a little bit of self-forgiveness because, yeah, that one thing hasn't happened, but these 146 million other things did. Mm. You know, it, it's the, so sometimes it's the small stuff. Sometimes it is the big stuff. You know, there's stuff with my kids that I, I oh my goodness, I would handle so different. I had a meeting with one of my team, a team meeting this week. And I said something on the call and it was absolutely, I could kick myself for saying what I said in the way that I said it in that environment because it came out totally, totally wrong. And the first thing I did after that meeting was ring that individual and say, I am, I completely did that wrong. I know what I said. I know what it could, what it was the right words communicated in the wrong way. This is the situation. This is why I said these were the drivers. And please understand, I I didn't mean it in the way that it came across. I forgive myself because I'm going to get it wrong. I'll probably get it wrong going home, right? I will forgive myself. And in it, it's a, you know, you think about standing in the mirror and saying, I love you. It's a hard thing to do, right? Try standing in the mirror and saying, Thank you. Try standing there saying, I forgive you. It's special. 
It's not nothing. Oh, it's such a beautiful way to wrap up this this interview, Christina. <laughs> Thank you so much, lovely. I just honestly, lovely. It's been so great having you here. I know we speak loads, and we've spoken a lot about various different things, especially on the show here. And I'm just so grateful for you sharing so vulnerably with us. Obviously, I know you're doing incredible things with Christina Talks as well. So yeah. I'm really excited to tune into more of your episodes as well. And obviously, anyone that's watching, 100% would recommend you tune into Christina's show. Thank you so much, lovely. It's been amazing to have you here. It's an absolute pleasure. Love you. Ah, oh, love you lots. So guys, that is the end of this episode today. Hope you guys have got as seriously as much value as I have and gotten lots of takeaways and golden nuggets because there were so many things that we shared in there from parenting to forgiveness and so much in between. So thank you so much for tuning in. If you are watching on our YouTube channel right now, then do me a favor and make sure you have subscribed to the show. If you are listening on Spotify, Apple, or any of the usual podcast platforms that you get your podcasts, if you haven't already followed the show, make sure you do it now before you forget, because next week we have our next inspiring guest. And the more subscribers we get, the bigger the guests and the more inspirational stories. So hope you have a fantastic rest of your week and we'll see you next week. Bye.